What's up, guys, and welcome to One Take Presents Gil Reads Comics. Uh, I'm Gil, and I'm here with my brother. You can't see him, but you'll hear him, Alun. Yo. Usually he's the tech guy, but today he's stepping it up, and he's going to be part of this, part of this podcast. That's right. Gil Reads Comics, if you're unfamiliar, is a podcast that we did back in the day where I, Gil, read comics, and I would tell people about them. And the basic idea of it was that, Alon, you would often find yourself, you're not really a comic book reader generally. No, not really. But you're interested in the comic book world. I am. I would watch a lot of YouTube videos and read Wikipedia. I was very interested even though I didn't read them. Right. You were interested in the mythology of it. So I thought how great would it be if there was a podcast where we talked about comics and even if you didn't read them, we were detailed enough and we took you through it like a story. So today we're talking about Wolverine issue number one. So right off the bat, so this is what's great about this, because if you're unfamiliar with comics, there's a lot of things about the comic book world that can be confusing. You know, when you go to watch these MCU movies, they're kind of like dumbed down a little bit for mainstream audiences. But when you want to go read an actual comic, it can be pretty intimidating because they'll make references to stuff that you don't understand. But that's where we come in. We're going to explain all of it. So if you're new to comics, even if you don't read comics, if you've never read a comic in your life, you can still enjoy this video or podcast if you're listening to it as a podcast. So... Right off the bat, we're talking about Wolverine number one, and that's confusing because you know Wolverine's been around forever. Yeah. So you probably heard we're talking about Wolverine number one. We must be talking about something from the 60s. I did think that. Not but really. No. So one of the nuances of comic books is that they can be so intimidating if, if they just kept the numbering consistent over the years. You'd be up to issue you know, 900 of Spider-Man. That's a big number. People don't like big numbers. So every few years, they do a reboot where they'll take Wolverine, for example, come out with an issue one where they don't necessarily start everything over, but they kick off some new storyline with this character. And it's a good jumping on point for people. And it'll be a good jumping on point for us to see what's going on with Wolverine these days. And one of the best things about Gilreads Comics was the uh, theme song. So long, let's uh let's play that theme song. Here we go. There is an epidemic affecting children everywhere. Comic books, comics everywhere. Avengers, Batman, Wonder Woman, and they're in movies now too. In the real world, there is no good and evil. Enough. I'm reading comics, and no one's gonna stop me. Wolverine issue one. It was written by Benjamin Percy with art by Adam Kubert and Victor Bogdanovich. Alun, yo, Wolverine number one. Before we get into that, one of my favorite segments of Gil Reed's comics was uh, news. We had a good jingle for that too. We won't be able to play it, so Next we're gonna time. have to just do the jingle live. So you know, like the news sound effect people do, like boop 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 boop. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to do that while I, right when I finish talking. Okay. Comic or comic related news. Exactly. So the comic news I want to talk about today is from WeGotThisCovered.com. Remember what I told you about the website yesterday? Uh yeah, they basically post like every rumor. Yeah, so they when they report something, you can't necessarily give it a lot of credibility. And that's not a knock against the website. I mean, when you think about the way Hollywood works is people will talk about stuff in a room. They'll probably talk about any idea you've ever thought of. They've probably talked about in a room and it might never go anywhere. Probably 95% of those ideas go nowhere. But if there's somebody in that room and they hear something interesting get talked about, I want to know about it, even if it most likely is going to go nowhere. And I think that's what We Got This Covered does. They have sources in the industry. They hear all these talks, and if they're interesting, they report on them. So recently, the talks they reported on are that supposedly Sony is considering doing a live-action version of Into the Spider-Verse or something inspired by the Spider-Verse idea, and apparently, supposedly... 
they're keen on getting Andrew Garfield back and Tobey Maguire back to interact with Tom Holland's current iteration of Spider-Man. That sounds awesome. Right? Wouldn't yeah. that be great? Yeah. And I feel like right now, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but it feels like there's kind of a growing nostalgia for the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. He's popping up in a lot of memes. Yeah, I remember a lot of people thought that in uh, Spider-Verse, that was him. Like right. They thought like maybe he would voice act, and they thought maybe that represented the Spider-Man from the first one. Um, and then also, Marvel did that uh, viral oh, thing yeah. on Twitter where they just put the number four. <laughs> they tweeted an image of the number four, and everybody thought that they were hinting that finally... We're going to see Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 4. But then the next day, they tweeted the number 3. So we all realized it was just a countdown to something. Who starts a countdown from 4, though? I think they might have started. Oh, can you turn that off, by the way? I think they uh, started it with a higher number, but no one paid attention until they posted the 4. But not only that, the um, uh, Morbius... In the, uh, the new movie coming out, Morbius, where Jared Leto plays Morbius, the villain, uh, uh, the uh, vampire who's typically a Spider-Man villain, some of the set photos released, you see a spray-painted image of Spider-Man. But the image they used is Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. And you can see pictures of the Daily Bugle. And it's the Daily Bugle logo from Tobey Maguire's Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Huh. So there were some rumblings that maybe Morbius does take place in the Spider-Man world, but it's in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, huh. which that's definitely not true. Uh, if you look at the, the spray-painted <laughs> image of Spider-Man where it's Tobey Maguire's costume, it's a promotional image from the new Spider-Man video game for when they were making his costume available in the game. Oh. <laughs> so probably somebody just said, uh, hey, we need a picture of Spider-Man for this. Might as well just grab an image we have readily available. And Sony was working on the video game at the time. And by the way, Stanley McNatt in the chat happened to catch us live and just says, hope all is well. And I would say all is well. Alon, how about you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Stanley, I hope all is well with you too. Uh, and even if you're not a big comic fan, you know, stick around. Part of the beauty of Gil Reed's comics is that we make it accessible. We explain everything and we, we try to teach people at comics they're for everyone. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, what do you? I mean, this would be awesome, right? If they did a crossover between Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire, that would be amazing. Yeah, I'm down. Give Sam Raimi a chance to finally make up for Spider-Man Three and give a proper conclusion to that character. So, do we assume that the studio ruined Three? Like, what percentage of the blame goes to? Sam Raimi. I would say 30% goes to Sam Raimi. All right. I mean, that's, that's not so bad. I mean, we know for a fact that he didn't want Venom in the movie. That was foisted on him by Marvel. So I think it was, uh, I think the studio messed it up. I mean, foisted on him, not by Marvel, but by Sony. Mm -hmm. So I would love for him to get a chance to redeem himself. Anyway, with that, let's go to the main event. Wolverine reboot issue number one. And this is an extra double size issue. It was almost 70 pages. Comics are typically 20 to 24 pages. So there are two big stories here. And just some background for you. I know you read the comic, Alon. Mm -hmm. You were probably pretty confused by a lot of it. Uh, some of it, yeah. So Wolverine, spoilers, about six years ago, he died. Whoa. And uh, then... You know uh, the movie Logan? Yeah. That was inspired by a comic called Old Man Logan or Old Man Wolverine where uh, he was an older guy. It was kind of uh, what happened to Wolverine long into the future. That version of Wolverine traveled across dimensions like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and took over for our dead Wolverine for a little while. Huh. But don't worry, Persephone... A mutant with special abilities resurrected Wolverine, brought him, brought him back from the dead. Don't all mutants have special abilities? Yeah, these are really special abilities. Oh. <laughs> Stanley in the chat says, I'm a reader of Wolverine and will be picking up the new volume this week in my box. Very nice. We just read it a couple of hours ago. And if you're a Wolverine fan, I think you'll enjoy it. All right, let's get into the story, though. So he died. He came back to life. 
Not really important for this story, but I just wanted to give you that background. Nice. So the issue begins with Logan, i.e. Wolverine, laying in the snow. He's all ripped up. You can see his adamantium and his skeleton showing through his skin. And we find out he's in a place called Krakoa. Which alone, you picked up a couple of little tidbits about Krakoa, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I Google image searched it. I don't know if you want any future spoilers about it. Sure. I mean, I think they, they mentioned or kind of hinted at what it is in mm. this comic, how it's like a living creature, yes. essentially. Yeah. So I saw some pictures of the island like walking around and having right. a base Well, see, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> Krakoa, if you look it up on the Marvel wiki, they uh, give it aliases, other names that this island goes by. And one of them is Island That Walks Like a Man. <laughs> and then if you scroll down to the section that says characteristics, unusual features. Okay, unusual features. Able to walk like a man. It's an island that walks like a man. <laughs> so his name and abilities are, are the same thing. This is why it takes me forever <laughs> to read comics. Because every page is riddled with references. And I look up every single one. That's why it takes me forever. I go down all these rabbit holes. So Wolverine's lying there in the snow, clearly went through some kind of trauma, and he's doing what he does best, or one of the things he does best, which is narrating badass narration to himself. So he says, My body is one big wound, a million scars I carry around inside me, but nothing compares, not even close to the hurt I feel now. Knowing my friends, my family, are dead at my hands. And he's holding on to Jean Grey's corpse. Anything, anything to say? I mean, wow. No, Wolverine apparently killed all of his sad. friends. Killed Jeannie. Yeah, Jeannie, he does call <laughs> her that in this. And then he notices a set of footprints in the snow and follows those. So I will say right off the bat, I don't love the way this issue started out. Because... I just, I don't believe he actually killed his friends. And this is exactly what happened in the old man Logan story arc I told you about before. So, you know, in the movie Logan, it's hinted at uh, that Patrick Stewart, Xavier, did something in the past which killed a bunch of the yeah. X-Men. That was inspired by the old man Logan storyline where Wolverine, under some kind of mind control, basically killed all of his friends and family. So... I'm reading this issue, and it starts off by first reminding me of one of the best Wolverine comics ever written. Second, it feels kind of like a retread. And third, that's such a major thing to happen that if it just happens in the first page of the comic, I don't really believe it's real. So I was kind of like, been there, done that. And we've seen this sort of thing so many times before, Wolverine with the tortured past, so I, I just didn't love the way this started. I was kind of like, okay, really? We're doing this again? He lost his memory again? So I was kind of against this comic from page one. But I will say there was a few things that happened later that kind of won me over. Yeah. Luckily, I haven't read as much as you. So to me, this wasn't like a retelling like yeah. as it was. You open up page one. You were like, what? He can heal? What? <laughs> Yo, you got to come look at this. Wolverine, look at he killed Jean Grey. She's been around for years. Okay, then, cut to five days earlier. Wolverine's lying in the snow, beat up, sees the footsteps. How did he end up there? Five days ago, we see a bunch of kids running around. And they're all, they're all mutant kids. One of them kind of looked like a big duck. One's all red. I thought one looked sort of like a pufferfish. It's spikes coming out of his face. <laughs> so a bunch of kids are running around, playing hide-and-seek. They're looking for Mr. Logan. And then Jean Grey uses her powers to pull Wolverine out and reveal where he's hiding because they were never going to find him. He's such a good hider. And that also felt a little inspired by the movie Logan. Mm -hmm. And I should say right now, spoilers for the movie Logan in three, two, one. That movie was about him protecting children, especially towards the end. And now he's hanging out with all these kids and he is their protector. It almost felt like Logan 2 if he didn't die in the first one. Yeah. So then uh, on the docks, we see Ellen Page. Not really Ellen Page, but Kate or Kitty Pride, who was played by Ellen Page in the X-Men movies. <laughs> we see Kitty Pride. She's the, uh, the X-Men who has the ability to phase through walls and stuff. 
and um, she's at the docks. She's there to meet up with Wolverine, and there they go to a bar and catch up. I'll say uh, I like the art throughout this issue, but in this one scene, I don't know if you had the same impression, but it kind of looked like Wolverine in comparison to Kate Pride. He looked almost like a child. Like he was sitting in the seat and his legs were kind of hanging off yeah. and not reaching the floor. <laughs> hey, one of the attributes or one of the qualities of Wolverine is that he's supposed to be a shorter guy. I think uh, his feet were actually touching the floor and they were crossed. But the drawing looked very simplistic. And I think there's a little shadow that should have been drawn there. But eh, it's okay. It's all right. We'll give him a pass. Um, so, again, I'm going to have to be a little bit critical of the comic again. There's definitely some stuff I loved about it, which we'll get to. But this scene felt like it was pretty much written for exposition. Uh, it does the thing where um, Kate or Kitty Pride starts saying, look at you, Logan. You're surrounded by loved ones. You found, you found your place protecting everybody. You seem like you found a true sense of purpose, you know, keeping everybody safe. Basically, just, it's a way of catching up for us mm -hmm. what his current status is. It felt a little bit clunky. Wolverine says, you're not wrong. So... We basically learn, so Krakoa, this island, is kind of a safe haven for mutants, and Wolverine has taken it upon himself to be a protector of this island. Now, Kate, why are you really here? She's there because Krakoa, the mutants there, they're delivering medicine from the island to the human world, but some of the product, some of that medicine is disappearing. Someone's stealing it, and she wants Wolverine to investigate then we get to one of these interludes where it's a page with a bunch of text on it yeah did you actually read all the texts uh yeah about the blood types that was one of them oh which one was this this is the one about how people are starting to look at mutants in almost a religious way and starting to oh, worship yeah, yeah. them but my favorite part of this page is though their overall theology appears to be based on devotion and humility there are extremists who appear to believe that the sacrifice and consumption of homo superior is the path to the higher plane. Consumption. Mm -hmm. They're eating X-Men mm -hmm. to try and get their power. Yes. Yeah. Gross. Damn. Now, Alon, if you could eat an X-Men to get their power. Let's say, let's say there was an evil mutant who was on death row. And they were offering 50 bucks so you could eat one of his fingers. And you get his powers. Well, what's the power? The, uh, Is it a power I would want? You can change the color of your eyes at will. Uh, <laughs> 50 I bucks. I don't know if I would eat a X-Men for that. You also don't know what the side effects are. I could just use contacts. That's true. Yeah. All right. We'll come back to this. I'm not finished with this yet. <laughs> right, back on Krakoa. Wolverine, so he um, is talking to Sage. She's kind of a doctor scientist person on the island. And he says, so just to get this straight, there's no way you can track the petals. They're not tied to the central intelligence of Krakoa. So the medicine is coming from the petals of flowers. And she explains, Krakoa isn't a god, it's a mutant. That's what you were hinting at earlier. This yeah. island is actually a big mutant and on the island they grow flowers that have healing abilities which they can use to create medicine uh sage by the way she was retroactively they kind of changed the history of the x-men she was one of the first mutants discovered by xavier she has the ability to jumpstart human powers she has superhuman mental processing including perfect memory and telepathy move stuff with her mind wow Anyway, so these petals, they find out, are being taken to a place in Russia just outside of Moscow, which they were able to figure out because they saw a spike in pollen. They're bringing all these flowers over there, so there's more pollen than normal, and they figure <laughs> out they're going to Russia. So they call the X-Force together, and they're on their way to Russia through a portal to figure out what's going on with these mutants or what's going on with these uh, special flowers. So now we're in Russia. And the X-Men, or the X-Force, led by Wolverine, bust into the middle of a religious ceremony. And it's a bunch of those X-Men religious nuts. They have X's carved over their mouth. 
it looks like a classic satanic ceremony. It kind of looked like Palpatine in Star <laughs> Wars Rise of Skywalker, where he had that whole arena of faceless peons. And so Wolverine and the X-Force bust through the portal in the middle of this religious ceremony, but the, the people there, they love it because these are their gods that have just arrived. And the Russian leader, and I have to do my best Russian accent <laughs> now, says, the gods themselves have delivered to... That sounds more uh, like German. I'll just say it in my normal voice, I guess. <laughs> the gods themselves have delivered to our house of worship. Do you know what this means? It is time for communion. First, we must taste of the Kokoan host. And they drink some of the pollen flower stuff. And then one of the X-Force, that pink-haired guy named Quentin Choir, or Kid Omega, jumps into the crowd because he's like, they love us. <laughs> and he wants to... What's it called when you jump onto the crowd? Crowd the surfing. Crowd? Yeah, he starts crowd surfing, but they want to drink his blood. They want to eat him because there's some of those crazy X-Men worshiping folks we heard about earlier. So Wolverine and the rest start fighting their way through the crowd, but everyone who took the pollen, apparently there is a side effect. They all die. So it was the right answer you gave before not to eat that mutant's finger. Yeah, it's not, death is not a very good side effect. No. It doesn't really make it worth it. You start changing your colors, all eyes of the rainbow, for about three seconds, and you die. <laughs> so then a couple days later... Wolverine takes one of the dead bodies of these folks who overdosed on pollen, goes to a bar with a bunch of Russians, and opens up a bag and just shows them the body, which I thought was pretty cool. It reminded me of Game of Thrones, where they had to convince the queen uh -huh. that the zombies were real. Yeah. So they go and catch one in a box and show it to her. <laughs> So he, he drags a body out of the bag and, and demands answers from these Russians. Basically, where are you getting these flowers from? They say that a pale girl sells them the pollen if they work for her. And they take 80%, she takes 80% of the money they make off it. The Russians didn't like that. So they tried to get some on their own. They tried to steal some from a hospital, but the pale girl was not happy about that. So she made the guy, the, this Russian guy, take out his own lighter and yeah. cook his own eyeball. Mm -hmm. So she, this pale girl who's getting them the flowers, apparently has some kind of mind control abilities. You know, any theories on who this pale girl could be? No. But maybe she's just very convincing. You, you think maybe <laughs> she doesn't have mind control? <laughs> she just really she's was like, really on, good at do it. talking him into burning his eye. Come on, burn your eye. I saw a girl talk a guy into chugging a bowl of uh, alcoholic jello. So, there you, you know, go. She probably could maybe, have talked him into burning his eye out. Yeah, but too. maybe she had mind control abilities. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this scene made me think if I lived in a world with mutants, I would lay so low. It's too scary. I mean, if there are mutants out there that have mind control ability, I would try to stay as far from mutants. As humanly possible. Though I'd probably have mutant powers too. Yeah, then someone like Xavier would try to find all the people laying low and like bring them out. It, there's no way, man. Yeah. Uh, I would much rather live in the, in the DCU than the MCU where there are no mutants. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, and I should say, right before they left, Jean Grey told Wolverine this could be an inside job. So this pale girl might be somebody they think is a friend who's hanging out on Krakoa with them. Maybe. So fast forward even more a couple days later. Earlier today, in fact, back on Krakoa, Logan's hanging out with Beast, you know, the blue guy, and they talk about how there's a drug war brewing. And Wolverine says, and where to blame? He's always, always carrying that cross on his back because the drugs are coming from the island. Mm-hmm. It's not really their fault, though, right? No. It's indirect. I actually disagree with you on this one. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you have such a powerful drug, I think you should be... I mean, why are they shipping this stuff on boats? You're the X-Men. You don't have a more secure way to get these to humans than, than boats? 
True. And they have that guy that can teleport. They have a guy. They took, <laughs> they got to the religious ceremony through a portal. Why aren't they delivering the pollen through portals? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not happy with the X-Men right now. Okay, fast. Oh, and I should say, there's a parallel story going on here where the CIA is investigating the drugs and everything. Mm-hmm. I figured instead of cutting back and forth, let's get through the Wolverine storyline and then we'll talk about the CIA stuff. So, back to where we started. Wolverine lying in the snow, following those footsteps. And we get another Wolverine monologue, another Wolverine narration. Adam, when he was on the podcast with me, because he used to do this with me every week, he hated how I used the word monologue so much. Because I think technically a monologue is in like a play where you are speaking out loud and Wolverine's not speaking out loud right now. He's thinking. Narration. Narration. Yeah. That's what he told me I should say instead. So here's Wolverine's narration. I've forgotten so much so many times. My skull has always been a haunted house of locked rooms and broken mirrors and the cobwebbed hallways. But here's something I'll never forget. Not as long as I live. I've done terrible things. People should stay away from me. I don't have family. I shouldn't have friends. I'm not safe. My brain won't stop seething with questions. What have I done? Why did I come here? It was to find something. It was to meet someone. Her. The pale girl. And he found the pale girl. This blue shimmering girl in front of him. And then snicked. Snicked. That's the sound effect it makes when he takes his claws out. And he starts yelling at the pale girl, but then she fades away. And there's some other guy standing behind her who didn't see her. So maybe she didn't actually, maybe she was a projection in his mind. Like in Star Wars, the Jedi projections. Hmm. And For- we, force ghosts. Force ghosts. Yeah. And we do know she has mind control abilities. That's true. You had some notes too, by the way. Yeah, they're all just random Things yeah, yeah. That, I mean, here, I mean here. people. Well, people that already read comics probably wouldn't care for these. Uh, I noticed in the way beginning of the comic, <laughs> <laughs> the the first box says somewhere in Alaska, and but the box it's the same style as the boxes of Wolverine's narration. So the first box says somewhere in Alaska. The last one says oh. I don't know where I am. <laughs> so you read that to be Wolverine going nah. somewhere in Alaska. <laughs> I don't know where I am. <laughs> No, I mean, I knew it wasn't. I just think they should have used a different style of box for that right. text. Uh, Speaking of uh, style, by the way, the text in this comic, it's all written in proper text where the first character is capitalized, the rest are lowercase. But in a lot of Marvel comics, it's written in all caps. Huh. In fact, that was a common kind of quality. Marvel comics were all caps. The Marvel ul- uh, Ultimate comics were lowercase. And so when they did crossovers, you could tell who is from the Marvel Universe and who is from the Ultimate Universe based on who is talking in all caps versus who is talking in proper yeah. caps. Uh, th- actually, the typography in this comic actually is something I noticed, and I like I like the way it looks. Yeah. Um, but somehow I didn't know I didn't realize I, I didn't think about the the non all caps thing. But, right. Yeah. Um, I noticed that they bleep curse words in this. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, how did you feel about that? Uh, I mean, what's is there is there like rating? Yeah, actually, for in the bottom left corner on the cover of this issue, it says parental advisory. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd prefer that you just says it because to me, it's I don't know when you bleep it, it kind of takes you out of it a little bit. Yeah, like. And then the other thing that, that I think takes you out of it a little bit is at one point it says, uh, you know, underneath one of the little boxes, it says CX Force 2019, yeah. number one. <laughs> it's like, what, put that like in the back of the comic for people that want to like see what else, what see, else this, they should read. This is what you get when you're talking <laughs> to a guy who doesn't read comics. That's been a tradition of Marvel's <laughs> for decades. They'll make reference to something that happened in another comic. It's, I mean, it's useful because. Um, They'll have these events that intertwine across all these different series. So they'll say, oh, man, I can't believe the week I had. 
CX Force number <laughs> five. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, it doesn't. It takes you out of it though a little yeah, bit. A little bit. I mean, but imagine if they did that in the movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Tony Stark turns to the camera, see Iron Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think eventually they might have to start doing that? Because the MCU is going to eventually become as inaccessible as the comics. I mean, so much is going on that it, eventually it's going to get to a point where you're going to watch a movie, and if you didn't watch the WandaVision Disney Plus series, you're going to be confused. Right, but it, if you're watching the movie and then in the middle they like put something on the screen <laughs> saying, like, you're not going to pause it, go watch it. If, if you want to get more in-depth, go online and read a wiki, you know? Right. Or you just do a Birds of Prey style where if something happens that needs explanation, Harley Quinn can jump in and say, now, there's one thing you got to know about what's happening right now. Let's rewind to five <laughs> weeks ago. Uh, now, what else you got? Yeah. Uh, uh, there's this one part where Wolverine says I was chewed up and spit out, and then I, I, my, my head just filled in the rest <laughs> and went and boot off stage, you know, because Eminem. Eminem, yeah, yeah. We just performed at the Oscars, right? 20 yeah, years too true. late. What? Because you didn't perform back in the day when Eight Mile was up for an Oscar. Oh, did they, like why didn't he? I don't know. He commented on it though. He's like, "Sorry, it took me seventeen years to get oh, here." Well, all right. Well, those are my thoughts. <laughs> those are the insights you come to uh, <laughs> Gil Reed's comics for. Um, by the way, on the bleeping, I will say too, it's a little bit weird that you can have him slicing off heads, shoving blades into people's chest. You, you can't say uh, an F-bomb. Yeah, and, you know, kind of like in the new Impractical Jokers movie. There's a scene with strippers, but then they bleep out the P-word. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> that is Wolverine's part of this story. And uh, overall, you know, what, what did you think? I mean, um, I mean, it was cool. I mean, I liked seeing him. I liked seeing him. Slice off some heads. It's uh, not, if you've only seen Wolverine in the movies, it is kind of nice to see him really use those claws. Yeah, you really only got to see that in Logan, none of the other ones. Um, in this comic, when he went to Paris and he got a drink, well, oh, we are not there yet. Did I, you oh. skipped to part two. Oh, all right, sorry, my bad. Right. Well, I, let me just say one. Yeah, thing. yeah, go ahead. Um, I got a vibe when he goes to this bar. Kind of like a, it felt like he's kind of a cowboy. Like I almost yeah. started picturing, like, what would he be like in that era? Right. That'd be pretty cool. He, he'd fit in. Yeah. Well. I, well, I think Logan, the movie, was heavily going for a kind of Western vibe, which, again, going back to Old Man Logan, the comic book, they definitely thought of it as a Western. I think that they've told different Wolverine stories using different versions of the badass loner trope. So they've done samurai stories. They've done... Stories that are definitely inspired by Western. Yeah, I think I think we are... I think Wolverine is a character kind of tailor-made for our sensibilities. Anyway, so let's talk about the CIA story. So this, this is all stuff that was happening during the story we just went through. And the comic kind of cut back and forth between them. And I actually liked the CIA story a little bit better than the Wolverine story in this one. I thought it had a little bit more emotional weight and um, found it easier to get emotionally invested in it. So it starts off with Agent Bannister and a couple of his partners. He's from the CIA. They're investigating this crime scene. Looks like a drug lab with a bunch of dead people all over it. And they find that the wounds are all self-inflicted. So immediately that tells us Pale Girl was here. Probably made them all commit suicide. And Agent Bannister, he uh, puts his finger into some of the drugs and holds it right up to his nose and sniffs it. Do you think that, <laughs> that yeah. people would actually do that if you're investigating a crime scene? No. I I was worried right at that moment he got infected. Yeah. yeah maybe. We don't know. Yeah, that's true. But he, uh, he smells it and he says, and what the hell are they baking? It's not heroin, not coke, not fentanyl. Nah, man, this is something new. I mean, just take a whiff. If he told me that, I'd be like, no, I'm not. <laughs> At least he was wearing gloves. Like, I'll take your word for it. Normally, a drug lab makes me feel like I'm sucking on the tailpipe of a bus burning hot garbage for fuel. But this place smells like gardens and grandmas. Floral. 
It's like pollen, which is the name of the drug. Right. I thought the fentanyl reference, so trying to be kind of uh, current. Current, yeah. Current issues. And, oh, yeah, and I had my notes here. Do cops really smell stuff at their nose? <laughs> Doesn't seem safe. I think I read in chem- – I, I think I remember learning in my chemistry class that if you want to smell a chemical, you should basically wave your hand towards you and smell. You shouldn't just put the substance right up to your nose, you know. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> and next time we join Agent Bannister – He's kind of rubbing his head. He's pretty stressed out. Did you notice when he's rubbing his head, he had this weird yeah, mark? That was in my notes. What was that? Yeah, I don't know. I'm wondering if, uh, you know, we'll learn about it. He also had a bunch of he, scars coming from that area as well. I don't know. Something in his past. I think he I think uh, it's a scar. To me, it looked like a maybe a bullet scar. Like yeah. He got shot in the head and somehow mm-hmm. survived. Anyway, he's at the hospital. He's there to see his daughter who has leukemia. And oh, Daniel has joined us in the chat and he has a science background and he says you should waft the smell. Exactly what I said. You should not hold dangerous chemicals up to your nostril and uh, sniff. So, (laughs) kids, I hope you're listening. Uh, Bannister is at the hospital to see his daughter who has leukemia. And he's talking to her, so his daughter says, what bad guys are you trying to stop this time? And Bannister says, well, you know how you're on the wait list for those special drugs, the antibody petals? And she says, the ones that will make me better? And he says, yep. Well, some people are stealing them for other stuff, bad stuff. And that's making your daddy really mad. (laughs) So... Flowers from the special mutant island are being delivered to humanity because they can heal people, even people who are terminally ill. But a bunch of jerks are stealing those flowers and using them as a recreational drug. And when I read that scene, I actually felt myself get mad. (laughs) And uh, that didn't really happen with the Wolverine side of the story. I think because that side of the story has so much baggage, so much convoluted backstory... But this was just raw. A father talking to his sick daughter and a bunch of gangsters standing in his way. Did this work for you? Yeah, no, I agree. I think I I thought uh it was kind of funny how this cop is getting really angry and he's like even open with his daughter about how angry he is yeah. about it, but then he's walking around barefoot wearing like those uh I forget what they're called, but Wait, yeah. was he barefoot? Well, he's wearing like not flip flops, but oh, the sandals. Thing? Oh, sandals. Yeah, it's yeah. just kind of funny. Like <laughs> he's a cop. He's supposed to be. He's like and he's a, got like a big kind beard. Of angry. They con- yeah. I think he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. They yeah. commented on the dress code. Yeah, you f- I don't know. You figure someone that angry would be wearing like boots or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad right now. Someone get me a pair of boots I can put on. <laughs> he looks like the Big Lebowski. A little bit, yeah. Daniel in the chat says, so excited for the next episode of Gilville. That's our other podcast. We'll be recording right after this one. Then back at the CIA headquarters, Bannister is uh, talking about how people are dying from a synthetic knockoff of pollen, which reminded me again, I think this is Marvel trying to talk about some of the current issues going on. They mentioned fentanyl and a lot of the people who overdose from fentanyl are taking other drugs, or they think they're taking another drug, and they don't realize they're actually taking fentanyl. Just like in this world, you think you're taking an antibody petal, you know, a special flower, but it's a synthetic, and it kills you. Um, So he talks about how more people are dying, not from overdoses, but from the flower cartel taking down their competition. Now, if you're a badass cartel... I wouldn't go with the name Flower Cartel, <laughs> right? It's, it doesn't really strike fear oh, in your enemies. It's the whole sandals versus boots situation again. You know, right. they need a name more synonymous with boots than sandals. The Boots Cartel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what would scare you more? The sound of boots walking towards you or the smell of a beautiful flower? <laughs> <laughs> So Bannister and the CIA come up with a plan. They're going to pretend to be buyers 
they're going to meet up with this flower cartel and figure out what to do, what's what. I try to think of a good flower pun. <laughs> Daniel, if you can think of one, uh, let us know in the chat. And then to be continued. That's the end of part one. Now we go into part two. It's just kind of a side story. Another uh, Wolverine adventure. They're trying to petal some flowers. Oh, beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're back on Krakoa, the mutant haven, and Wolverine's basically running around, basically doing parkour. Yeah. He's jumping from one thing to another, <laughs> and he's not monologuing, but narrating about how crazy things are, how people think this is some safe haven, but he's not going to be taken in by it. He talks about how enemies are suddenly allies because they're letting mm-hmm. the bad X-Men like Magneto come here and essentially atone for their sins and get a second chance. Magneto is very uh, shiny in this one. He's got this silver outfit. That was, it was like chrome. Hmm. You notice that? It wasn't no, like I didn't his normal like purplish reddish. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't yeah, purple. That was interesting. Yeah. Stanley McNatt says... The poppy posse. <laughs> that would be a lot more intimidating than the flower cartel. I love that. The poppy posse is back. The poppy posse's after me. I feel like they'd be like snapping as they like go yeah. approach you. <laughs> this would make a great plot for a musical. <laughs> and Wolverine narrates about how enemies are suddenly allies. Someone who was trying to end the world is now trying to save it. He sees Magneto. And I loved this narration because this is something that comics and comic book shows do all the time. Or uh, Disney movies do this a lot. Like, or, you know, put Disney aside, Fast and Furious. Jason Statham killed a beloved character in that franchise. The next movie, Jason Statham is part of the family. He's hanging out with The Rock. He's helping them. He killed one of your close allies. And I'm sick and tired of properties doing this, where they take a bad guy. I mean, in these comic book bad guys, they're not just like, oh, you scrappy devil, you're up to your (laughs) bad deeds again. They kill people. I mean, on a massive scale. And now it's, you know what? We could be friends. (laughs) And so it's great to see Wolverine calling people out on this BS. Did you feel the same way? Yeah. Did you feel it with as much furor as me? Yeah, absolutely. Good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I could, I could tell you because you're wearing your boots. I could tell you're mad about something. <laughs> Through a portal, Omega Red shows up. You don't really have to know too much about him except that he was a serial killer mutant. He was almost vampire-esque where he had to suck people's life force out. Bad guy. Okay, And you know how Wolverine has retractable claws? Mm-hmm. Omega Red has retractable tentacles that can come out of his arms. So he shows up through a portal covered in blood, and he says, I understand that you're offering amnesty. But Wolverine, he's not having it. He goes to kill Omega Red, but Magneto stops him. And how annoying would it be Magneto has the ability to control metal with his mind? Wolverine's body is full of metal. It sucks. It'd be frustrating. That's the one downside to having a body full of metal, (laughs) in my opinion. (laughs) Uh, So Magneto stops Wolverine from killing Omega Red, basically saying, this is what we're all about. We're all about forgiving people, giving people a second chance. Wolverine says, some people shouldn't get a second chance. Omega Red is evil. He's horrible. Magneto points out, you probably didn't notice, Wolverine, that all that blood on Omega Red, it's his own blood. So he's suffering right now. Magneto sends Wolverine through the portal Tells him, you've got to investigate what the hell's going on here and clean up this mess. Where does he end up, Lun? Paris. He ends up in Paris. And he sees Omega Red's car. Opens a trunk and this emaciated guy gets out of it. And he says to Wolverine, you're, you're like him. And then dies in his arms. And Wolverine says, no, I'm nothing like him. And then narrates, but as he dies in my arms... I can't help but admit he's right. I got a million reasons to hate Omega Red, but there's one that stings worse than the rest. He reminds me of my own worst self. It's Wolverine. It's a real 
He's even whinier than Batman sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I, I love the badass narration, but I will say in part two in this in this storyline, it felt a little over the top to me at times. And they really lean very heavily into the noir, um, into the metaphors. So at times it almost felt satirical. But Wolverine goes back through the portal from Paris back to Krakoa. Wolverine tells Magneto and the doctor not to heal Omega Red. Stop helping him. He's a psycho. He's evil. Evil. We've got kids on this island. Magneto tells him not to worry. If he kills anybody, we'll just resurrect them. (laughs) (laughs) And Magneto basically sends Wolverine back to keep working on the case, figure out what happened to Omega Red. Hey, those dead bodies in his trunk, maybe he didn't kill them. So go figure out what's going on. Wolverine interrogates Omega Red. And uh, Omega Red says, yeah, I'm bad, but maybe there's someone worse out there. Go check out. The King's Obelet. Obelay? Uh, I didn't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> so uh, Wolverine goes back to Paris. Now, at this point in the story, what, what are you thinking about Omega Red? Are you thinking he's definitely up to no good? Should he get a chance at redemption? Uh, I don't know about redemption, but he's definitely up to no good. But I believe him. I, at the at, at that point, I believed him that there was something much worse out there. So you know, he while he might be partially a victim, but he's definitely not innocent. Yeah. So was uh, would Wolverine have been wrong to kill him in that moment? I mean, if if he's really killed all these people in the he past, has. you know, I probably killed kids. Listen, man, I think I think they should kill him, but I think they should keep him until they get whatever information they might need out of him. So if on the record, Alun saying you are pro death penalty. Uh, if we in like, the MCU in a world with evil mutants, right? Like in the MCU, as long as we have enough evidence to be like this guy definitely did it, you know, like no doubt. Yeah. Which we have psychics in yeah, the MCU, so they can tell if we did yeah, it. Yeah, but not. can you trust them? Yeah, that's right. You can't trust anybody. You know what? No death penalty. Just, but the problem is, every time you lock someone up in a comic, they escape. Yeah, like the Joker. Listen, man, some villains you just gotta kill, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Glad we got to the bottom of that. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have a segment on Gilreed's comics. I forget the name of it, but it was basically a courthouse segment where Adam would have to come to a verdict on a villain. Like, he would have to go do research on Omega Red, for example, and report back next week <laughs> and tell me if we should give him another chance or not. Anyway, Logan <laughs> goes back to Paris, bumps into a lady, tells her to F off, to bleeped out, and then he offers to buy her a drink once he sees that she's a beautiful lady. <laughs> they go get a drink, uh, and Wolver- and I guess he went to the bar that Omega Red told him to check out. Wolverine takes a drink, immediately gets knocked out by whatever poison was in there, and wakes up upside down, surrounded by vampires. Mm-hmm. I did not expect vampires. No, it kind of came out of left field, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you knew who Omega Red was, you might not have been shocked by that. Because, like I said, he is vampire-like. He doesn't suck blood, but he does suck life force. Right. Well, I know at one point, it might have been on that blood type page, where they were saying that Wolverine is similar to a vampire, like in regard to his blood and, I don't know, there's something there. Yeah. And the first part of the story talks about these religious folks that like to drink the blood of mutants. A lot of um, cannibalism or uh, consumption of body fluids and parts in this this issue. More than I expected. So these vampires, they don't bite his neck. They stick a nozzle in his neck and, and start draining blood into a cup. But they don't know Wolverine's got the healing factor. So boom, he wakes up. Rips out of the rope, starts slicing people's heads off, shoving his claws into their chests. And then the drink lady comes back and she has a weapon that emits light that's powerful enough to kill these vampires because they can't go in daylight. And she reveals that under her jacket, she was wearing a superhero costume. Basically, it had a big cross on it. So, And she's holding a wooden stake. 
So she's a Buffy vampire, Buffy the Vampire Slayer esque hero. I guess coincidentally, well, she was probably hanging out by that bar because she knew it was a vampire hangout. So Wolverine goes back to Krakoa, and I thought it was funny that Omega Red, he can't just tell him everything that's going on. (laughs) They've got to go through this whole, all right, let me go back to Paris. Let me get beat up a little bit. Okay, let me go back to Krakoa, talk to Omega Red for a minute, or let me go back to Paris. (laughs) So he goes... uh, They've got the gate, the portal. Exactly. I mean, if you had teleportation abilities... I would probably pop over to Paris, come back. I would go all over the place. Okay, would you eat a mutant's <laughs> finger for the ability to teleport? Uh, yeah, I think so. Fifty bucks. Uh, well, I just said I would do it. Yeah. Well, am I paying fifty dollars? <laughs> you pay fifty bucks for a finger, which you consume, and then yeah, you get I the would do it. Would you? No, because we've already shown that you could die from this stuff. It's not safe. Okay, I, I assume <laughs> this was a new hypothetical where there is no consequence. Back in Krakoa, Wolverine interrogates, or he goes back to Omega Red, and Omega Red explains, you know those people you found in my trunk? Those weren't just any regular people. I couldn't have killed them. They were already dead. They were being held prison in the catacombs Because the vampires infected them, trapped them, until they could turn into vampires. And we see, flashback, some of these corpses supposedly were taken to the morgue. And then they wake up as vampires and they kill the doctor. So those people in the trunk, those are vampires. Omega Red, he claims he's changed. He's not a bad guy anymore. He doesn't even feed on humans. He feeds on animals now. And then Omega Red tells the story... Of St. Julian. Remember this story? Remind me. So, (laughs) St. Julian is a story of a man who receives a prophecy that one day he's going to kill his parents. Mm -hmm. And he's so worried about that, he moves as far away as he can, doesn't tell his parents where he's going, but his parents, they want to find him. So they go looking for Julian, and by the time they finally find him, they're all old and decrepit. And so his wife answers the door. She sees this old couple and she says, come in, come rest. And so she puts them in bed to rest. Julian gets home later and he sees two people in his bed. He assumes that his wife is cheating on him. So he immediately takes out a sword and kills (laughs) the couple and then finds out he killed his own parents. Omega Red tells Wolverine this is a story of dark inevitability. I, I would say it's a story of you shouldn't fly into a fit of rage and kill people. Because if he just took a second, he would have seen that they were his parents. Mm-hmm. And somehow we know that this, this Julian will go on to become a saint. But we don't know how. So there's more to the story. Uh, and yeah, I was thinking to myself at this point, Omega Red, should, he should just tell Wolverine what's going on instead of this whole... Back and forth. It seems like a really complicated way of getting the story across. <laughs> but I guess more fun for us. Yeah. Wolverine goes back to Paris through the portal. And Buffy shows up again. Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> reveals her name is Luis. And she's part of the Night Guard. An ancient holy order that kills vampires. So we get a classic superhero team up. Wolverine and Luis team up. She explains that vampires are on the rise. And you know how this whole drug war is Wolverine's fault? Or the the mutant's fault? Mm -hmm. You know what else is their fault now, apparently? Vampires. Because the mutants, they've all left humankind to go live on this sacred island. And now, human beings are all distracted. And mutants aren't in the way anymore. And aren't in the way anymore. Which, there's now a power vacuum vampires are on the rise. So that's why vampires are now mm-hmm. on the rise. And Stanley in the chat says, it's amazing how much takes place in the span of just 22 pages of a comic book. Seriously, that's why comic books can be so intimidating. Especially if you go into some of the major crossover events, like some of the Crisis on Infinite Earths type stuff, it's so hard if you're not already following the story 
to follow what's going on. It's very easy to get lost and go down a rabbit hole. Anyway, so Luis, the vampire slayer, and Logan team up and they go down into the catacombs. And she warns him there are six million corpses down there, meaning there could be six million vampires. It wasn't totally clear to me why they were going down there. You know, any idea? Nah. Just to, they're just going down to kill vampires. Yeah. I came here to do two things. Chew bubblegum and kill vampires. And I'm all out of bubblegum. He didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they team up. They go down and uh, they fall down the stairs. And Wolverine grabs Luis and he takes the brunt of the fall. Lands on a rock that stabs through him. But he's okay, of course. He has the healing factor. But when they fell, her light gun got destroyed in the fall. Now, I have to say, Wolverine is pretty reckless here, right? He went to that bar, took a drink without thinking, and now he's just stumbling and bumbling his way into a catacomb. He's trusting this Luis girl. Why is she trusting him? She just met him. Wouldn't you be reckless, too, if you couldn't die? That's a good point. It's Yeah, that's fair. He, that he can't die. He has his healing factor. And he's especially not afraid of vampires because he, we know that the vampire enzymes that turn you into a vampire, they don't affect him. So, all right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> they get attacked immediately, swarmed by vampires. And you're worried because Luis, her light gun is destroyed. But no need to worry. She has a holy water grenade. And uh, she uses that. And then Logan heals himself, takes out his um, claws, starts slicing and dicing people. But then the vampires get a hold of Luis. And they say they won't let her go unless they can get a little taste, which is all they've wanted all along. They just want a taste of Wolverine. So he lets them have a taste. (laughs) Then he kills a bunch of them, kills their leader, and... Now they're free to go, Wolverine and Luis. But she explains to him. He says, you know, we're good. I killed the leader. She goes, that wasn't their leader. And good news wilts as fast as a dog rose, I'm afraid. You mutants have united, but so have the vampires. The mutant nation might seem invincible, but the vampire nation is growing stronger. You have Charles Xavier. They have Vlad. Dracul. Dracula. Wolverine versus Dracula. By the way, when she says good news wilts as fast as a dog rose, do you think that was an intentional reference to all the flower talk in the previous issue? Uh, yeah. But I didn't know what a dog rose was. <laughs> did you Google it? No. Come on. I have to do all the Googling. Did you, did, I Googled- did you Google it? No, I didn't. I googled Krakoa. I googled Sage. All these different mutants that show up. And when she talks about Dracula, we see a quick flash to Dracula hanging out on a bone throne with a bunch of blood IVs going into his body. You have a report back on the dog rose? uh, I mean, it's just a flower. Type of flower. Yeah, it's like pink. It's nice. It's beautiful. Um, Yeah, guys living the life. Throne and blood tubes man that when i was a kid i was <laughs> so into orange juice i used to imagine if i had a genie one of my wishes would be that i could have a little tube in my mouth that just had an unlimited supply of orange juice released in, into my mouth like an orange juice cyanide tablet yeah which <laughs> <laughs> is a reference to gilville which uh if you listen to that this is just like comic books you make a reference to the orange juice. If you want to know Gil's orange juice backstory, you've got to go listen to Gilville. Anyway, so we get a quick flash. This is what we end on. We see that Omega Red previously had a little run-in with Dracula. Dracula gives Omega Red a device that will remove Omega Red's need to kill. But Dracula reveals that this device also has a detonator in it. Which means if Omega Red doesn't do what Dracula wants, Omega Red is dead. And what does Dracula want? 
He wants the mutants to stay out of the way of the vampire nation. So he tells Omega Red to infiltrate the mutants, become friends with them. And so we find out, yes, Omega Red is not to be trusted. He is on Krakoa because he wants to become friends with the mutants so he can keep them down and out of the vampire's way. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> is this, uh, so what did you think? Part two versus part one. Vampire storyline versus the poppy posse storyline. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I like the, uh, <laughs> I like the fighting in the second part. And I like the detective in the first part. I liked I think I agree with you. I think the action in part two was better. It was pretty badass to see him just slaying vampires. <laughs> But overall, I thought the first storyline was a little bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. Everything, I mean, it just, it makes so much sense that people would try to harness the mutant powers in some way. Um, I love the idea of uh, it sparking this drug war and adding the element of the father who's a CIA agent and his daughter's dying and she needs those flowers, I think adds emotional weight to that story that we don't really have yet in part two in this vampire storyline now wolverine versus dracula that's a pretty cool story i can definitely get behind that but i think both of these stories are suffering to me with one issue which is they haven't really gotten me overall invested in wolverine's story and they just they've got to do something different i can't see wolverine get amnesia again i can't see wolverine I don't mind tortured soul Wolverine coming back, but I can't have his soul tortured again for thinking he killed his friends. I've, just, I've seen it before. So I think they found a good emotional hook with the detective from the CIA. I need them now to do something with Wolverine. And I think having him as the protector of these children, so if the children are in danger, if the island is in danger and Wolverine is their protector, I can get invested in that. But I just need to see, I need to see more of that. One last complaint, not to be a downer, but if you need to send somebody as a detective, um, is Wolverine really your guy? You have an island full of psychics. Wouldn't you want to send one of them so they would just know what's going on wherever they go? I would send Wolverine with the psychic. Exactly. Yeah. Stanley in the chat, I am really looking forward to reading this issue for myself now. Really enjoyed your insight. Thank you very much, Stanley. Appreciate that. And if you go and read the issue, we'll be doing this again, probably for issue two. So make sure to join us in the next live stream and we can hear some of your insight. And by the way, just to warn you before you go in, this was a double size issue. So it's actually close to 70 pages. So that's part of how they were able to make it so dense. Anyway, Alon, are you excited to see issue two of Wolverine and see what happens next? Yeah. Any predictions? Hmm. I predict that the detective and Wolverine will will meet somehow. I'm wondering if uh somehow the detective will, you know, be mad at Wolverine. Because I feel like usually something like that ends up happening when really they should yeah. be working together. I do wonder what this detective's um disposition is towards mutants. Because he might meet up with Wolverine and have an immediate aversion saying, you're a bad guy, you're with the mutants, and then there'll be that kind of uh, alliance, but there's, there's sort of that tension between them. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And um, I think you're right. I think they probably will meet, and I think they'll have that, uh, that interesting relationship. And Pale Girl, you think she's going to end up being a mutant from the island? Maybe it's, you know who I was thinking? I was thinking either, that nah, can't be Mystique. She doesn't have mind control powers. I have no idea who it is. Yeah, I don't know. Give up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do some research before issue two. Anyway, I think that wraps it up for this episode of Gil Reads Comics. Stanley asks, will you be reviewing any other comic books soon? I think we will. So you might have missed the beginning, but some of the background is, I used to do a podcast called Gil Reads Comics and basically just found it difficult to do that along with everything else we were doing. 
but I think we've found a format now that, that works. I think doing it live actually makes it easier because it takes the pressure off from having to do all the editing. You don't worry about getting it perfect and right the first time out. So one take, we're trying to do live just about every day during the week talking about movie news, TV news. But on the weekends, there really isn't a lot of mo- uh, news to talk about. So I figured on the weekends, that is when we can do Gil Reed's comics and some other one-off type of stuff. So long story short, yes, we'll try to do Gil Reed's comics two or three times a month. And we'll talk about some other comics. When we do it live, we have no choice but to try to do it in one take. Yes, there you go. There you go. And uh, what other comics will we talk about? We used to talk about Amazing Spider-Man. To be honest, though, that was a tough one to talk about. It was kind of a... the storyline was kind of silly, and it was it was hard to take as seriously as something like Wolverine. We used to talk about Batman, and I was pretty thoroughly enjoying that, so we'll probably bring Batman back into the fold. And Stanley, if you have any recommendations, we're very open to that. Heathcliff. Um, yeah, we'll talk about Heathcliff, Doonesbury, <laughs> Foxtrot. <laughs> Anyway, so I think that wraps it up for Gil Reads Comics. If you enjoyed this video, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to this channel, and hit the bell icon to make sure you get notified whenever we go live and you can be part of the conversation. You can be an awesome person like Stanley McNatt here in the chat. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, hit the link in the description. It'll take you to the YouTube channel so you can see my beautiful face. And you can participate in the chat when we go live. Give me a, Stanley in the chat says, give me a heads up on which one so I can make sure to read it ahead of time. We'll do. We'll try to make a When we know what we're reading next, we'll make sure to give people a heads up so they can read along with us. Anyway, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you on the next one take.